I read this great book called The One Thing. And in there, the author has this great question. He calls it like the focusing question or something. What is the one thing when it's done would make everything easier or unnecessary? Think about all your big to-do lists and all the things you want to achieve in your life. What is the one thing you could do that would make all of those things easier to achieve or even unnecessary? And I knew really deep inside that the answer for us to make everything better and easier was a changing, leaving the city. So that was the next step after I became, after I became an NTP, I knew the next step had to be leaving the city. Welcome to This is 40. I'm Reds and I turned 40 recently as did my co-host and friend, Alexia. We're actually both entrepreneurs living in Paris, and we were a little overwhelmed with it all, to be honest. We thought, what if we could tap into the wisdom, the humor, the fears, the resilience, and the beauty of all of the 40-year-olds we knew? Wouldn't that be something? And that's how This Is 40 was born. A show where we talk to some of the most fun, brilliant, resilient, creative people in our everyday lives who made a decisive change in their way of living, thinking, and being in the world, for the better mostly, as they hit their 40th. Hey, I'm Alexia. And I'm Rens, and we're your hosts. Join us in listening to our guests as they open up their hearts and share their experience of turning 40 and the gifts it brought them. And we ask you, What is 40 to you? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This is 40. I hope you're doing well. I hope you've been weathering confinement wherever you are. It's starting to get a little warmer in Paris, um, but still in lockdown. And, you know, we're going to keep entertaining you with some great stuff on our podcast. So today's guest, Aishin, um, is originally from Turkey, um, and she, though she's lived all over the world, she moved here from New York, and now most recently she lives in the Bay d'Arcachon, which is a bay on the southwest coast of France, um, on the Atlantic Ocean. It's incredibly beautiful. Um, Aishin didn't always live there, though, and this is why her story is really interesting, because I credit her with walking the talk, talking the walk, walking the talk, um, because she, you know, she's a producer and she lived in New York and she worked with celebrities in Paris until she was pregnant with her first child. And she started to research the link between the way we live in the world, the way she wanted her child to live in the world, um, nutrition, what we put into our bodies, where our food comes from and made connections with all of these things to find that none of it was in alignment with, you know, the way that all of us live our modern lives. They get up in the morning, rush to work, rush back from work, you know, feed the kids a hard dinner, read some stories, get everybody to bed and start the race again the next day. And um, especially in a city that's as dense as Paris, it can be overwhelming um, as as it can be, I guess, for people in, you know, other cities, New York was pretty much the same. It's a continued continued rat race. 
And Aishin realized, she started to do her research, that there was another way to do things. And this is why I 100% say hats off to her, because she pretty much moved her family out of her city, longtime city dwellers, to the bay, um, to the Bay de Arcachon, um, where they, you know, knew very little, they didn't know anyone around there, but they were very committed to ensuring that they and their children lived a life that was more in alignment with their values, um, which was closer to nature, where their children could learn from nature, away from the stresses of modern life. And I'll let her tell you all about that in her episode. Um, Aishin reconverted her skill set and became, from a producer, um, became a nutritional therapy practitioner. So she advises families as well as, you know, especially, I think, tired, exhausted moms on how they can kind of gain their energy back um, by a whole set of like changes to just their basic food and, um, you know, sleep hygiene, etc. Um, it's a fascinating interview. I'm excited that Aishin was able to make it and I'm excited that you guys are going to hear from her. Happy listening. Hi, Aishin. Thank you for joining us on This is 40. Very excited to have you on the show. Likewise. Thank you for having me, ladies. It's a pleasure. Salut, Aishin. Écoute, moi, je voulais commencer par te demander, c'est comment la vie à côté de la mer en France? How's life by the sea in France? Tell us about that, please. It is pretty amazing. It's funny you asked me that today because just this morning our beaches opened again. When I got up this morning, I was like, I know where I'm going. I really missed it a lot. It's beautiful. We're right on the Bassin d'Arcachon. Today was low tide, so the beach was big. I didn't really walk all the way out. I, I missed the horizon. And it's just so magnificent. You know, there's that really sense of larger than life. Give us a sense of like being grounded. So you were a producer in TV and film. Can you paint a picture for us of a day in your life then? The way I think about it is I had so many previous lives in a way. You know, I, I lived in all these different countries. I'm Turkish. I grew up in Turkey, moved to the U.S. to go to college. I lived in the U.S. for 15 years. I was in New York for like six and a half years. The whole time I was in New York, I worked for a documentary production company. And at the end of like my tenure there, I was an associate producer, kind of slated to become a producer. Uh, we had some wonderful projects in different parts of the world. It was very enriching. But when we weren't on shoots, there were times when I just was felt a little imprisoned by the office lifestyle. I never felt completely in my element in my jobs. I felt I had a really rich personal life. So much fun, especially in New York. But work-wise, it always felt like Like there was a nagging sense that there had to be more to it than that. I was coming to France for a wedding and I decided I'm going to stay there for three months and check it out. And then that was when I, I actually ended up moving here. Like I never went back after that to New York. What would you say would have been a highlight of your day then? And then what is a highlight of your day now? Obviously knowing the difference that now you have kids and the highlights could be quite different, but I just want a sense of visually what, or a feeling of what would you have considered like a real success in your day then? And what do you consider now as this is the best part of my day? Um, I think in those days it was 
for example, if we were planning a shoot to go to an exciting new location, I would actually first look up all the amazing food we can have at that location. <laughs> that would be, we're discovering a new place and what can we eat that's delicious. When I got to Paris, you know, I needed to find jobs. Oh yeah, I became a personal assistant to this movie star couple. And, you know, I think the feeling I had was almost like, okay, I'll take whatever I can get. I want to live this life. I ended up working at Allocine for a few years, um, you know, TV, cinema, website. We got laid off because the project I was working on got canceled. It was right at the time when I had just become pregnant with my first kid. That was kind of a turning point for me because, I mean, you know, I was laid off with unemployment. So I had this opportunity to enjoy my pregnancy with unemployment and basically, you know, nerd out on everything. I finally had the time. I researched so much about childbirth, nutrition, parenting, and started to really develop a, a unique perspective on things. And kind of all roads started kind of leading toward the similar ideas, similar philosophies. The nutrition part was what got me the most excited. The particular circumstances of that first pregnancy kind of be, like allowed for this like this magical alchemy that kind of allowed me to reinvent everything. Okay. That's beautiful. Now, Aishin, so when would you say was the moment when you realized that things actually had to change for you and when you felt ready to take action? I ended up finding a job in an advertising agency. This was the real turning point because I was going from my house, like my place in Belleville in the, in the, 19th arrondissement to Boulogne. So that was a pretty long commute, about almost an hour door to door. So remember, I have a young child. So it was my partner who would drop him off um, at our assistant maternelle, And then he's the one who would pick him up in the evening. So I was separate from my family for very long periods, like very long hours of the day. When I first got that job, I think I felt like a sense of liberation because you're supposed to feel that, you know, bringing up kids is really hard business, which it is. And yeah, freedom. But, but that later on, I was like, but wait a second, this is not enough of a balance, actually. It's now taking me away for too long. And I have a very distinct memory of one morning running out the door to catch the metro, to go to my job. And, and I just like remember seeing the bag of the sad bag of like vegetables covered in dirt on the kitchen floor. I remember thinking, how, what I would give to stay home right now, not to have to run out like this in a rush and just do what I love doing. In that moment and other moments like that, it felt like I was too old for this shit. To go to a job that I didn't really feel like I had a true contribution from my heart just to pay the bills, just to get a paycheck at the end of the month and stay away from like all the things that I thought were important to me in my life, being so far from those things for so many hours of every day. I think I really resolved to figure it out. That long commute, of course, was my opportunity to just listen to all kinds of podcasts, how you can heal yourself through lifestyle and nutrition. I think this is more than a hobby. This is something that I need to do something with. Somehow this needs to become what I do for a living. I went on long parental leave, took the plunge and decided to 
do a training and become a nutritional therapy practitioner. And not only did you change jobs, but you also changed locations. You decided to leave Paris and go live by the sea. So it was a total change for you, total change for your family. Would you say that you, your family had to pay a price for that big shift in your, in your life? And in retrospect, was it all worth it? I read this great book called The One Thing. And in there, the author has this great question. He calls it like the focusing question or something. What is the one thing when it's done would make everything easier or unnecessary? Think about all your big to-do list and all the things you want to achieve in your life. What is the one thing you could do that would make all of those things easier to achieve or even unnecessary? And I knew really deep inside that the answer for us to make everything better and easier was a changing, leaving the city. So that was the next step after I became, after I became an NTP, I knew the next step had to be leaving the city. My partner and I also, he's also a long, lifelong city dweller. He's from Brussels. We had a, also a pretty traumatic event in our lives where when my son, when he was one, one he ended up having bronchiolitis and he, he turned into a really severe asthma attack. So it, things got pretty serious and he spent, you know, like eight days at Necker Children's Hospital, four of which was at the ICU at Reanimation. And this was in December. This was a time of regular pollution alerts in Paris. And I remember that being the last drop. Like, this isn't sustainable. This life we're trying to live, something has to change. So we ended up, not that year, not right away, because we didn't really know it at all, just, to have, just for some vacation and fresh air. But when we stepped foot on that beach... That first day, February winter afternoon, I just felt like, like I really felt like something just, somehow my stress level just dropped. I felt the energy of that place. And I really was like, okay, well, maybe this is more our speed right now. We choose this place and this, this will do for now perfectly well. And it turned out, even better than our wildest dreams. So the price you were saying is there is literally no price. And we changed everything. We changed our, our whole rhythm. Like we became a full-time family. So before people would go to their respective jobs. So, you know, everyone went on their parallel lives, which is the typical Parisian family life. But I also thought that it didn't have to be that way, that we could align everything. We could put everyone together. So part of the decision to move was also like, I didn't want to send the kids to school. I wanted to homeschool them and also work from home. And the only thing it took was to actually make a decision and give ourselves a deadline. I love it. I'm so inspired. I'm just like, you know, I've been dying to get everybody to get out of here and move south. So this is a question about social conditioning and how we're taught to be efficient, career-focused individuals to derive meaning from the life we've worked very hard for, to have climbed the career ladder, live a very big, fast-paced life, get your kids into good competitive schools, and we consider that a good life. But you, I think, see things differently now, right? What is a good life to you now? Well, I kind of call it like calling the bullshit on life, and I really feel that's what I did. It's exactly what you were saying. This is what we think is the good life, except that so many people who have quote unquote gotten there are sitting around wondering, okay, but I'm, am I not supposed to be like the happiest right now? And like, is there all there is to it? And 
it's because, you know, the way we consider success and the good life and having gotten there to be such external things in our society, I think our life, especially our modern life and our modern civilization, our modern mythology has us separate all aspects of our lives, cut them out. You know, you have your private life, you have your work, you go wait for work, your kids go to school or go to the nanny or whatever, or you're, you know, as a woman, you might stay home, but that's all that you do. You can't, you don't have time or the wherewithal to do anything else. And things are just so compartmentalized that feels really inherently off to me because I think as human beings, our needs are really met by things that are with that connection to the natural world, which is unfortunately so hard to access when you live in a big, especially very densely populated city like Paris. I think the good life nowadays for me is recovering that uh, the appropriate human experience, actually. And what I mentioned earlier about, we've been on this planet for millions of years, and we used to do things a certain way until very recently. I think that all the problems we have today about chronic problems, health problems, those are pretty much the price we're paying for our modern lifestyles. So Aishan, one time we spoke, you said to me, the best thing you can do for yourself is to fill your own cup and the rest comes naturally after. Mm -hmm. What does that mean actually? And what cup are we talking about here? Sure. I think that's in relation to modern motherhood. And this is the subject dear to my heart because, of course, the particular stresses of modern motherhood, you know, partly from a physiological perspective, because what we realize, again, when we look back on those traditional societies or how humans used to do everything until very recently was we would be a lot more prepared for pregnancies. Our bodies would actually be a lot more prepared for conception and pregnancy. Like even people who ate a lot better than we do today so obviously we have lost all notion of that. The only thing we're told these days is, oh, just pop a prenatal vitamin or you know, folic acid, which isn't even appropriate because folic acid is not the appropriate form. And that's it. There is literally no other, no other explanation, no other preparation. People spend so much more energy and time and money on planning their wedding than planning a pregnancy, for example, which is actually what's going to determine the lifelong health of that child. So, but it's not just for the child, right? When, you, when your body is properly nourished and supported, you end up having more resources when you do bring that child to the world because that's a, an incredible change in physiology and, and in our emotional life as well and in our brain physiology too. So when I talk about moms, like filling your own cup, understanding why you feel the exhaustion and the depletion that you do, because I think understanding that makes you feel less lonely and less crazy, there is another way to do this. But you have to be the one who takes that for yourself. You can't wait around expecting anybody else to do that for you. So we owe that to ourselves to fill our own cups first. So whether that means by eating better, having better, like better healthier habits, and also having better thought habits, healthier brain habits as well. I believe deeply in that. Thinking in a way that empowers us, how can I make a change for things to feel more balanced for me? We're the only ones who can do that. And I think that we owe that also to our children because our children thrive when they see a mother who's a good mother and devoted and all of that stuff and does all the things, but also takes care of herself whether that be just her self-care and like taking time for herself or 
you know, doing a job that she loves. You know, it's funny because now with the pandemic and the confinement, everybody had to do this forced experiment in their family lives, which we had kind of been in that like on that mode anyway. And I know not everyone's convinced, but I think a lot of people are like, wait a second, I can see another way. Just losing the morning rush has meant so much for us. Like it's breathed so much space into our lives. Uh, Ashin, that's just so interesting. Everything you're saying, I must say, as, as, as a mother of two myself and as a true French and a foodie and as somebody who has had her own issues with health and all that, a lot of what you're saying really, really, really resonates with me, except maybe for leaving Paris part. That seems, you know, still like complete madness to me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I do crave seeing some greens these days, I must say, and eating some greens, but really seeing landscapes that I do miss. Uh, just to wrap this up, and this is a question that we ask to everyone who comes onto this show. This is 40. So tell me in one word or... The brief sentence, then what is 40 to you then, Aishin? This is a word I brought up before, and I know it sounds really cheesy, but I'm just going to have to go with alignment. <laughs> That's good quality. I mean, even, you even get your car aligned, right? Like when your car's not aligned, like it doesn't run properly. So I think that as much as we can align all the different parts of us, then life becomes less of an upward, uphill battle and more of something that just flows more naturally. That's how I think about it. So Aishan, now to our last question, and I'm going to link, we'll link to this in our show notes at the end, is can you think of a life-changing book or a mentor or someone that's influenced you that we can share with the audience? Sure. It's hard for me to ever come up with one thing. So I'm going to just say two things. <laughs> I really loved, I really loved Big Magic, Liz Gilbert's book, Big Magic. It's one of those things like you read it once and then you can just pick it up and just turn to a page. And I just love how she talks about the creative process. And the other book I'm going to say, okay, this isn't like really a self-development sort of thing, but I'm in love with Charles Eisenstein's writing. And this book, I had it on my shelf for a long time. The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know is Possible. It's a beautiful book. It's almost the only person I know today who puts as many pieces of the puzzle together. I would highly recommend this book. It's just about which world do we want to create, basically. And it's, I think it's related to everything. And I think during this latest, this pandemic period, we've, we've been... I'm going through, I think it's even more important than ever today. Again, like just connecting with yourself and with those values, what's important to you in this life. I think this is a very, it's an indirect, I think, inspirational book for that. So I should two things. One is how do people find you? What's a good way for people to find you? I think the best way for people uh, to find me, well, I have my website. It's theomnivorist.com. And my Facebook group for moms, it's called the Mama Reboot Community. Okay. And we'll link to all of that in our show notes. Before we wrap up, Aishan, is there a tip from you for our listeners? Something that can help guide them if they're, they have some of the thoughts that you've once had? I think that one question that turned out to be very powerful and prophetic for me was, it, it was an exercise I did in a book I, I was reading. It was something along the lines of describe your ideal day. 
you write it down and you really write as if no failure, no money, there's no object and that you just go for it. And being very specific, like from the moment you wake up till when you put your head on the pillow at night, what are you doing? What are you, what is your day filled with? What are you touching? Where are you? And when you start developing a dream and a vision, it eventually starts taking its own life. Um, it, It starts having a life of its own and it just kind of, it it might become reality sooner than you think. That was amazing. Thanks. Thank you so much, Aishin. Um, Thank you so much, Aishin. Thank you very much for being on the show. We love it. We've got all of these amazing tips. Alexia, anything from you? No, just to say that that was wonderful. Really, really resonated with my inner voice, really resonated with my own life experience. And I hope it's the same for all of you out there. Thank you, Marit. And thank you so much, Aishin, for this time. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right. So what did you guys think? Such an interesting person, right, Aishin? I've learned so much from this conversation that we had with her. And I've learned so much from being a member of her Facebook private group. It's called the Mama Reboot Community. And, you know, it's all about empowering us, about teaching us about having more energy, less anxiety, deal with the cravings, you know, and maybe lose a few kilos in the process. And you know what? It's not just for the mamas. It's for every human being out there. It's so important. And being French, you know, I really put so much value on the quality of food I put in my body and the food I serve the people I love. Um, And I know what kind of transformation it can do to your mind, to your body, to your energy levels when you feed yourself the right way. So really, I urge you go on her private group. Go check out her website as well. It's called theomnivorist.com, theomnivorist.com. You'll learn so much from this woman, really. So what should you be doing to make sure that you get the latest news from This Is 40? Well, you can follow us on our Instagram. The handle is This Is 40 Podcast. This underscore is underscore 40 underscore podcast. And of course, you should go and join our Facebook group as well. This is 40 podcast. If you have a chance, please, please, please leave a review and a rating for the podcast on iTunes. I'm going to say it once again. You know, it's so important for us. It's a great way for you guys to show your support. And we really, really appreciate it. Thanks in advance for that. 